Chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I am thrilled to have Abe Ng on the show today. Abe is CEO of Sushimaki and Canton Chinese restaurants in the Miami, Florida area. Hey, Abe, I am so excited that we could make this work. Here you are. You're in Miami, Florida. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. And because of technology, we feel like we're in the same room with one another, which is amazing. Totally. (laughs) So thank you so much for being on the show. You and I are connected in a couple of different ways. We've got a mutual, very dear friend, Scott Keel who kind of connected us. And then we are connected in another really fun way. Uh, You helped us recently in YPO secure Francis Chan as a speaker. Sure. Come to find out your mom knew his mom. And so let's just kind of start there and then maybe then talk about how your dad and your mom came to the States with 70 bucks in his pocket. (laughs) Well, first of all, it's just an honor to be here on this podcast. I've listened to several of them and gotten just a lot from it, you know, practical and and inspirational. So, but the story kind of, of of how I got to know Francis and and my parents coming to this country uh, is all intertwined. Mom and dad are originally from Hong Kong. They knew each other in grade school. Mom came to know the Lord through kind of youth groups. And that's where she met Francis's uh, mom. Fast forward many years, I got to know Francis through my mom, uh, an introduction of kind of that Chinese or Hong Kong specifically Christian community in North America. It's pretty strong. It's an amazing place. And they really developed kingdom minded people and uh, have gone throughout the globe, you know, the UK, the US, uh, the Americas. That's kind of the story. And, and Francis and I, you know, he's a super normal guy. We talk basketball. Uh, we give each other a hard time about favorite teams. You know, and, and kind of through some work things, I actually introduced Francis to my forum, my YPO forum, which was a lot of fun. Uh, he got a kick out of them and they got a kick out of him. And, you know, we had uh, three Jews, uh, a Muslim and a couple of Catholics that said, trust me, guys, just meet this guy. He's a, he's a community leader. And that was a lot of fun. And as far as kind of my parents and, and their story, um, they uh, were high school friends, uh, not sweethearts. Uh, when dad came to the U.S., he came with $70 uh, in his pocket and kind of did all the typical immigrant jobs. Uh, worked in New York City in the laundry business, 
worked in Chinese restaurants as a, as a busboy, as a waiter. And through a long distance courtship, a letter wrote to my mom for several years. And mom was so brave that she decided to take a chance on, on, on this guy, Alan, flew uh, <laughs> to New York, uh, got married in 1969, celebrated their 50th anniversary about a year ago. And uh, we're married in New York, Chinatown. Um, my sister was born in New York City. Uh, they lived in Yonkers. And they actually, right after they got married, I think it was November of 69, they honeymooned here in, in Miami. It was kind of through a mutual friend that they, they reconnected with a pastor from Hong Kong that was starting a small little church. And uh, funny how, how things work. This pastor just passed away uh, about a week ago. But uh, he was the one that really sold Miami to mom and dad in the late 60s. So I was born in Miami and, uh, you know, that's the story continues and it's an amazing journey. Wow. Well, I have to ask you, so what do you believe? Because your dad jumped on that entrepreneurial wagon when he had a high school education. Do you just think that God put a dream in his heart? What gave him the confidence to really say, no, I'm going to jump on this wagon and start my own Chinese takeout restaurants? Yeah. So dad is super open about it. He actually didn't even finish high school. I just learned this. He has a middle school education and left midstream in high school. But he came here and he got to know the Lord through friends in in Hong Kong. But it was really my mom's encouragement uh, in letter writing that told my dad to find a church home. And I, I think that, you know, he just had limited options. And he knew that one of the few businesses that was relatively capital light was a restaurant business. Uh, he opened one first in Hallandale, Florida that failed. And he's the first to admit that, you know, he learned so much in failure and then it was through another restaurant that he kind of got some more education, you know, and, and eventually he started a restaurant in 1979 that just celebrated its 40th anniversary. And, and that's the restaurant that really launched mom and dad into kind of entrepreneurs. I think it was about kind of survival and, and providing living initially. But then dad had an incredible vision. He opened up seven restaurants at, at one point. You know, never took on any debt except to buy real estate in terms of buying the, the commercial real estate. So dad was just kind of that old school conservative approach. He definitely knew kind of business concepts and he's an incredible reader of history and follows business closely, always asks people for advice. Um, so super humble guy. You're not going to find a harder working guy, you know, up until the pandemic worked seven days a week, at least 10 hours a day. And, you know, he's 80 turning 80 years old and he is actually spending more time than he probably should in the restaurants these days, given our environment. But that's what keeps them alive and, and vital. So I, I think God has definitely given him incredible vision and, uh, Cliche as a sound, he's absolutely an incredible mentor. And I will say my mom is also a fantastic business person too. She really- How did she work in the business, Abe? Right. So that's why it works. Um, they actually never worked too long in the same restaurant. You know, mom had her own restaurant. Dad had his own restaurants. Back in Hong Kong, her father, my grandfather, had kind of like a tea shop where they kind of made simple foods and gross, simple groceries as well as 
milk tea. And, you know, I, I remember when I was three years old going back to Hong Kong and, and seeing that in operation. So, you know, we come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Uh, Christina, my wife, uh, her family is also full of terrific entrepreneurs. Um, you know, her parents also were in the food business. Uh, her dad is an incredible tech entrepreneur, as well as from Taiwan, and also a real estate entrepreneur too, uh, now in Southern California, as well as mainland China. Abe, you said your dad, very humble. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like even at 80 years old, he's still a student. Oh, yeah. Always a student, right? He loves to try new things and learn and loves to be around young people, which is part of the scary thing, right? He, he, he's kind of mixing it up with teenagers right now and probably not the safest thing. Now we're very careful about keeping his mask on and social distancing, but yeah, he loves kind of being in the mix of it. Yeah. And I love the fact that your mom and dad met in church. Yeah. That's where I met my husband. When you started going to the same church when we were three and five, I said, it's a great place to meet your spouse. That's right. But I want to go on and move into your education. So you decided to jump on the entrepreneurial wagon as well, but you had the opportunity while your dad had a middle school education, you went to Cornell. You went to Ivy League schools. And of course, that's where you met Christina. So let's talk about that experience. What was that like getting into an Ivy League school? Yeah. So both Christina and I were were pretty high academic achievers. We both went to public schools uh, all throughout. I went to a great public school here called Miami Palmetto. But really through high school debate, uh, which we both did, speech and debate, you know, I was able to travel to the Northeast and really caught a vision for going to school at a very traditional college campus. And, um, you know, Cornell was my first choice. Uh, I had some classmates of mine that were ahead of me that I visited and fell in love with Ithaca. Christina, very similar story. She's from Southern California. I'm from Miami. And when we got to Cornell, most people that are there, the majority are from the, the Northeast, But those of us who weren't from the Northeast, uh, international students or people from the South, Southwest or or out West, there's a certain profile of people who go to Cornell, but you find your tribe. And for us, both of us, it was in the Christian fellowship called uh, Chinese Bible study. And that's really where we got to meet people who are like ourselves, because when you're Asian American growing up here, you know, you're really not fully American. You're certainly not Asian because you don't speak the languages So we kind of found our people when we got there and we didn't date during Cornell. We both dated other people, but it wasn't until after I graduated a year ahead of her that she came down to Miami for spring break with some of our mutual friends. And that's kind of when we sparked our love interest a year after I graduated and we dated long distance. I don't know if you know this uh, for three years when she was in law school. So we did the Miami, L.A. That is not easy. Yes. So we we did that for three years. And that's we got married in in 2000. So we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this past year. And God's blessed us with uh, three amazing kids, 16, 14 and 12 years old now. Every step of it's hard. You know, when you're dating, it's hard. When you're young, married, it's hard. When you have young kids, it's hard. It, you know, it's a busy season right now, but it's an adventure for sure. And, uh, you know, we got some advice early on that, you know, you got to make sure you keep date night going. You got to make sure you take a trip just to two of you every year. So my mom's been incredible. I've always kind of taken care of the kids whenever we need to kind of have our alone time. No marriage is perfect. It's it's hard, but we're super blessed that we uh, we're we're good friends. And there's times that uh, we don't like each other, but we always love each other. 
because <laughs> we work together. That's, you work together, and I want to get into that. So Greg and I work together too, as you know. And I said I love him like none other, but there's just times where I really haven't liked him. You know, sure, I get it. Just going to be vulnerable here and say it's hard. I mean, you know, but thank you for saying that seriously, a eh? because I think sometimes people look and they go, oh, you know, they got it so easy. No, I mean anything worth having is going to be difficult, right? And this I want to talk now about the entrepreneurial journey. Mm. And that's really easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Being an entrepreneur? No, yeah. it is not easy. But uh, you decided to jump on that wagon as well. And I want to talk about how you kind of pivoted to do something a little bit different than what your dad and your mom had done with the, the Chinese takeout. Yeah. So initially, uh, I started a burrito fast food concept called Rapido. Wraps fast in Spanish, um, raised money. I worked with a fellow Cubate of mine. My first job out of Cornell's was with Ernst & Young and, and was a financial analyst. We opened the business with investor support, and it just didn't work out. We did some decent business, but it wasn't a fully well-thought-out concept. So you know, as part of a business kind of partnership divorce, um, my family and my parents ended up buying out uh, his family and his side of the investors. And uh, I ran for another year. You know, we ran out of steam and the wraps weren't it. And we had to look entrepreneurially. What was there a need for? And it's hard to believe that 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of sushi that was affordable in Miami. So, we studied some great kind of sushi concepts in California and Chicago, and we decided to start a neighborhood sushi bar that was affordable, approachable. Um, and a heroic goal was always to demystify and democratize sushi. And that's what Sushi Maki is. And uh, kind of right place in the right time, we, we started selling sushi to other kind of spots like hotels and country clubs. And we kind of caught fire in terms of opening up restaurants from 2000, 2007. And uh, from there, we built a brand, but we definitely had some setbacks in the Great Recession in, in 08, 09, and 10. But there's never smooth sailing, as you know, right? In, uh, in entrepreneurial. Well, but sometimes it's just the perseverance. You That's know, right. You and just sticking to it because you believe mm-hmm. in what you're doing. So I want to talk about this more. We are going to take a quick break, but just so you guys know, this is an award winning chain of, you've got what, 22, at least 22 locations now, right? 23. I think since we last broke, we opened another one. Yes. Another one. So award winning there in Miami called Sushi Maki. They were the first national sushi chain in North America to become Marine Stewardship Council certified. So I want to talk a lot more about this, but we need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Abe Ng. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to take a second and tell you about something our team at Technology Partners can do for your business. We have spent over two decades partnering with organizations and helping them solve their IT needs from a 360-degree perspective. A huge part of how we solve those needs is by developing custom applications of all shapes and sizes. If your team is looking for software and an out-of-the-box solution just isn't right, it's time to consider how we might be able to help. Go to tpi.co slash custom apps and learn more about our awesome capabilities. So welcome back. 
Abe, I just have to ask you. I mean, Sushi Maki has been incredibly successful. I told you. I said, I want to come to Sushi Maki now. I Just after reading about the high quality and all of that. Tell the listeners, what is your favorite sushi that you guys offer? Yeah, so my favorite roll is called the Budokane. And it's kind of a, a little bit of a twist on a dragon roll. A shrimp tempura with avocado and mango is what makes it just a touch different. Sounds awesome. It's making my mouth water. Well, I have to ask you, because there's probably listeners out there that may be restauranteurs, and obviously you've had to do some things differently during this time. I mean, it's been a scary time. So how have you pivoted your business? We've gone through hurricanes here in Miami, uh, the Great Recession, but nothing compares to just the turbulence of covid but, you know, I think the community has really rallied. Uh, there was a big push to buy local. I think a lot of the things that we've done at Sushimaki in terms of supporting schools and some of the different community-minded things, people really came back. And, and we've been very fortunate in the restaurants. Our products deliver well. So at the time of people were sheltering at home, they were still buying from us with delivery and carryout. We had invested early on in some of the technology, such as um, QR, mobile order pay, you know, on the third-party platforms, even though there are some challenges with kind of margins because of uh, commissions. But all these things has really allowed us to accelerate on trends. People say that COVID is the great magnifier, the great accelerator. And and we've been able to try things uh, that we haven't been able to try before in the past. And I think under the cover of COVID. So I I think that's a testament to the team of being very uh, flexible and resilient. They've trusted us that we've always put our team member safety first because only when they feel safe, can they, you know, open up their arms, open up our restaurants to make the guests feel safe? It's about culture. It's about setting the tone. It's about being in front. These are these are some of the things that uh, I'm enormously grateful to our team for leading from the front. I love that. So you mentioned the word culture, and I know culture is really important to you, Abe. In fact, someone asked you, what's one of the things that you're most proud of? And you said the care that you have, you know, from your people. What are your five core values? So we have many core values like commit to care, pursue improvement, open and honest. We have uh, celebrate the good. All of these values are extraordinarily important, but particularly in these times of pandemic when there's not a rule book for what to do. There's not a playbook on what we did with the same situation, you know, earlier, you have to rely on, on on your values, and that's the filter that you make decisions on. I think that whether it's uh, making the tough call to lay people off, and we had to do that in late March, but fortunately, business did come back, and we were able to hire everybody back. You know, and not everybody came back. Some people did not feel safe to come back. But everybody was offered a job that was laid off. So, you know, that's really God's grace that he he allowed us to um, weather the storm. Uh, We're still in the middle of it. You know, survival is not a foregone conclusion. We just don't know how deep and how long this will last. We really feel that things are kind of stabilizing. We have terrific partners at Whole Foods Market that have remained open throughout this pandemic. The university locations have as well. And it all kind of just goes back to our commitment to care about the community. And there was a period of time, and we still do this now, crisis meals for the food insecure here in South Florida. And that was probably some of the most fun that I've had in my entire career. 
you know, I had a chance to get out in the community to deliver meals to people that were really in need of a hot meal. We were delivering chicken and rice to them. And people were so grateful when we were delivering these crisis meals. I think this is just kind of reflective of the spirit of the brand for Sushi Maki here in the Miami area. Well, that's a perfect segue because I do know, and you mentioned all those things, and I know service is so important to you, Abe. So you and I are part of an organization called YPO, Young Presence Organization. You got in in your 20s. You were very young. But I know you've led so many groups and you've had so many leadership roles. I mean, how has YPO served you? Best decision I've made in my professional career. Mike Pappas and Larry Harris are two of the guys that introduced me to YPO. And it was really at a time where I needed it. I was in a family business. Uh, We were growing and YPO kind of gave me other people to lean on that were in family businesses. So the craziness that I was going through was was quite normal. I wasn't uh, imagining the challenges and I joined in my late 20s. I was the youngest person in the chapter and it was a new chapter in Miami at that time. There was only about 12 of us. So they, they had me doing all the leadership roles. I was treasurer. I was forum chair. I was, <laughs> I was membership. You know, they, they finally let me be the chapter chair, you know, I think in 2010, after serving on the executive committee for a bunch of years, but been able to kind of go to GLCs and see the power of YPO. And, and you probably see this, um, the YPO in America or North America is cool, but when, when you meet YPOers that are from around the world, international, you really see the power of YPO, you know, the scale of business, the levels of contact that they have, you know, throughout government and business. Uh, YPO is an incredible network. Uh, my forum, I've been in the same forum for, geez, since 2004. So many, many years, 17 years now. I'm also in an industry forum, uh, in a restaurant forum, been in that for over, I think, 13 years now. So, you know, these are lifelong relationships, you know, people that you grow with, you see them having grandkids, uh, you kind of go through life together. And to your point before, Abe, you said you didn't realize that some of the challenges that you were having in the family business were normal Absolutely. <laughs> until you met other people that were in that same boat, right? And you yeah. were like, no, this is good. And this is how we got through it. So yeah, I've made great friends Absolutely. through YPO. So that kind of brings me to my next subject that I really want to talk about. And I know that there is a book that a lot of YPOers kind of are basing their business on right now called Traction by Gino Wickman. It is the entrepreneurial operating system. And for our listeners that don't know, this is about building your business into a self-sustaining entity powered by an effective system rather than just by your sheer determination. And there are many components to that. And I know that you are going through that process right now. Yeah, I'm by no means an expert in this. And and we're just at the beginning stages of implementation. But in a nutshell, EOS tries to pair visionaries with integrators. And that's what I needed. In many ways, I had hit the ceiling, um, was trying to do everything myself. And the marrying of hiring professional manager talent with a founder is tough. You need to be able to be mature and articulate what you're good at. And uh, this gives us kind of handles and languages for doing so. The great thing is that it brings kind of like forum in, in YPO where there's best practices that work. And if you follow the rules, you see acceleration in the goodness of it. So uh, we see that. We're following the program. We have a great facilitator, Scott, uh, who you mentioned, 
has been terrific at kind of coaching me and, and, and my teammates along with this. And I'm excited because that's really going to free me up to do what I do best. And that is to search for future opportunities. And it allows for people who are much better at running the business uh, to be focused on that without me getting in their hair because I'm, I'm the problem. So this kind of puts me in, in, a, in, a, in a good box. Yes, I know. So for our listeners out there, again, it's called traction. There's six key business components that you look at. And as Abe just said, you can have an implementer that helps you and facilitates that. And I think most people would say that's a really good idea to have an outside person do that. But the six business components that it looks at is vision, people, data, issues, processes, and then traction. So for anybody that doesn't know that book, you might want to grab that. It's good stuff. So Abe, this is called Something Extra. I would love for you to tell me, what do you believe is a something extra that every leader needs? So I think every leader needs to have people that will speak the truth, tell them when they have kind of spinach in their teeth. And I think it's critical. So many times in business, you surround yourself with people who tell you what you want to hear. And whether it's you know people that, that you trust uh, in your tight-knit group, a family member, and if you're a part of business groups like YPO and your forum group, that will kind of tell you where the blind spots are and, and do so in a way that's loving and caring. So I think every leader really needs that. I so agree because we can't see. That's why it's called a blind spot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because we really can't see it in ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And I was telling somebody not too long ago, I said, you know, it used to, I would kind of take things to heart and be a little bit more defensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now when somebody, and especially if I know that person really truly cares about me, it's a gift. That's right. It really is a gift because how can you move forward if you don't really understand where you are? So Amen. I Amen. love that. So Abe, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about something you're passionate about. And I know what you're passionate about, but I want you to tell our listeners. Yeah. I think in this time of craziness, traveling to Miami would be my invitation. I'm a huge fan of this destination. I think returning back to normalcy, um, we have a wonderful destination, the beaches, come dine in our restaurants, come visit our attractions and come to our churches and, and, and visit. I think all these things, as we move back into some normalcy, that's my invitation. You know, this destination uh, is definitely been hit hard in terms of whether it's cruise ships or conventions that are kind of in a holding pattern. We are open and waiting to serve you and, and show you a great time here in Miami. And now you know a great sushi restaurant. That's right. And come visit Sushi Market. And come visit Sushi Market. Well, Abe, thank you. This has just been so much fun. I've just had a blast talking to you here this afternoon. So thank you so much for making the time to be on the show. This was lovely. You know, any anytime you want a Miami point of view, I'm happy to come on. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.